I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Revely, revely, dogs. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, August 10th, 2020, and it is time, donks, for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. Hope you are doing well. Happy Monday to you. I am one half of your hosting duo. I am joined by the gentleman on the other side of the screen, the conspiracy to my theory and everything else in between. It's Brian Campbell. Hi, BC. How was your weekend? Uh, it was nice, Luke. I got power back finally yesterday after four and a half days without it. So that was a bit of an S show, if you will. But, you know, so is this one, Luke. And I'm fired up for this one because, as you already know, I don't care if Sunday's black, Tuesday, Wednesday, heart attack, because Monday I'm in love, okay, with you, with all our people. Let's get talking some combat here. Uh, I know what you're saying, though. You know what happened? A little, little bit of a... Uh, a, mi- a miscut here on the old quarantine cut, but, uh, you know, we'll roll on. We'll fight through it. Hey, we are all doing our best with the resources that we have. couple of news and notes, of course, today. We'll get to the Bellator card from Friday, Michael Chandler's big win. We'll talk about Saturday's UFC card that just happened, Derek Lewis, Chris Weidman getting in the W column, and, of course, this coming weekend, Showtime is taking place with a big boxing card. Plus, BC, we should announce this. Uh, we're not going to get to it today, really, because we're going to do a special thursday show ufc 252 preview we'll do it all in one big episode later this week and bc my dissected will be a preview of that trilogy fight so uh, we're not gonna get to it today but but there's plenty of uh, of analysis of that event coming i mean let's be honest d say stipe three play (laughs) three needles luke three of them yeah uh it's too big of a fight to be contained in one you know we'd have jay all deep in our cochlea we don't we don't want any of that all right nothing and we should also tell the folks i believe this is official so for friday obviously there's going to be the weigh-ins for the benavidez and gulo fight that will air the following day on showtime you and i are going to be hosting virtually the weigh-ins getting folks ready for that big main event so a preview today plus a preview on friday Plus an extra MK on Thursday, BC. I feel like we're over-delivering here, to be quite honest with you. Mother effing right. Our pocket's looking kind of tight. Let's keep doing that, Luke. By the way, I know I tease it a lot. A lot more announcements to come. This ship is moving, okay? Moving, okay? Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, I got movement. I'm so fired up, all right? With that in mind, two thumbs up. Please give the video a thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button below uh, as well if you want to try Showtime, if you want to watch that. Benavidez versus Angulo fight. Hey, go to Showtime.com right now. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can go kick rocks. That's always fun. And uh, you want to see some MK gear, you want to buy some, just go to store.show. That's S-H-O dot com. We don't wear enough of our own gear on this show. I wear wrinkled shirts, and you wear wrestling tees. Something feels like we're not really selling. We're not putting over, as they say, our gear as we should be. Oh, you know what? 
Funny enough, well, I, I, you mentioned that. I got mine too, actually. So there you go. Yeah, and why don't we bring in the third man? Because that's all he wears. Uh, we do have a third member of the show, uh, producer, director, Jay. And yes, Jay, hi, right I'm now, here. You can't see because his air conditioner cam only shows the over-the-shoulder Inspector Gadget look, but he's rocking some NK. Jay, how are you today? I'm, uh, I'm doing well. You know, it was a nice weekend, nice weather uh, here on the uh, East Coast of the United States. I mean, live from the aircraft carrier, it's, it's No, no, Jay. they can, can hear me. Get it right. The people can hear me. Don't uh, worry. Don't worry. Well, I have a special relationship uh, with the people. Anyway, we Thank can go you. on with the show now. Thank you. I'll yeah, very good. You look like uh, you have the room of one of those 90s hackers in a terrible Jerry Bruckheimer movie, but okay. Yeah, uh, Neither... good, good job with Napster. Now move on, okay? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I was always a LimeWire guy. I don't know about you. All right, let's get to these topics here, BC, if we can. Let's get this show on the road. First things first, we start where the show starts, which is Derek Lewis getting another win, tying the record for all time. I think it was KOs in the heavyweight division getting his 15th win, something like that in the UFC. I mean, he was doing really good work beating Oleksii Linick, causing a stoppage there, essentially, I think at the end of the second. He looked really good, BC, so let's start here. First things first, your biggest takeaway from Lewis's win over Olenek on Saturday is... Uh, well, look, just a quick correction. He's setting new mark for he knockouts in the heavyweight division. Ah. And look, my biggest takeaway is this. I was really worried coming off of that Daniel Cormier loss. You know, he got roughed in, rushed into there for a title shot for, for really the first time. He went all in to find out how great he can be. And, you know, he wasn't great enough. I was worried the rest of his career if he would become more of a journeyman. And this was a, a correction in my eyes of the ship. I know he's already had a win streak coming into this fight. And look, Alexio Lennox, solid guy, loves snakes, may not be a world beater. But what I saw, Luke, was a professional mixed martial artist, not necessarily a Popeye-loving guy who has to take a dump, who just so happens to have power to knock fools out once in a while. I saw a guy who wants one more try at that championship belt, kept the win streak going, did it in the way which is his calling card, of course, with that absolutely explosive power. But what made me so, you know, respectful and proudful, proud of him was, the, was his ground game. I mean, you saw some good stuff here, Luke. He was in shape for the body he carries, pretty good shape. And I thought he went out there and showed a lot of different skills, didn't just go out there and throw a windmill like he did against Volkov and save himself. Yeah, I mean, here's the key to, to understanding it. First of all, walking out to Fat Pat and Top's drop is just, I mean, chef's kiss. But I actually interviewed him last week, and we talked about, I asked him how his back was, and he apparently found out something. He got knee surgery, I don't know, I want to say sometime earlier this year, or maybe at the end of last year. Not a super invasive one, sort of a more of a repaired uh, one for a, you know, sort of wear and tear, not, not some kind of dramatic uh, invasive surgery like Kevin Lee got. But what he found out was they said it was his lingering knee issues that was causing him to have his back issues. One was causing the other. So they cleaned up his knee, and he says his back is not like 100%, but it's better than it's been in as long as he can remember. And so when you feel better, you not only fight better. To me, what you saw there on the ground was it just opens up his game a little bit more. He can take a few more risks. Some of them a little bit ill-advised, but he can take more risks. He can find more ways to throw ground and pound. He has more options. You know, the thing about him before was he sort of fights in, in, in spurts, in pockets, in moments, and then he takes big portions of a round off. And he still is not pedal to the metal, but what you saw from this one was he had more offense more of the time in more positions in ways that he just hadn't in a long, long, long time. So... Power's the last thing to go, and if you're healthier in a way that you haven't been in years and you can just do more things, 
it just creates a lot of opportunity for you in the way that we saw. And so did he look like Demi and Maya on the ground? No, but he's not trying to. He's trying to well, leverage look, his big a, power and positional top control. And it was a big departure. His last fight against Alir Latifi, I know Latifi's a strong wrestler, but you know he looked lazy and remedial at times on the ground. So to see him turn that stance around, and I know, look, Olenek is a different type of ground fighter than Latifi, but I'm just saying I saw a professional in there who had the right focus and vision. And maybe, you know, doctor said you don't need a bacchiotomy anymore. That's a good sign. But I see a guy, like I mentioned, who's trying one more time. And it's great, Luke, because he's one of the guys you inevitably cheer for he's one of the best characters we have in this game we got to really see his interesting backstory when he did have that title close up in new york against cormier uh you know former felon convict come clean and turned his life around and i also like to see him kind of turn his career around when it looked for a few fights probably injury induced that he just wasn't that guy anymore but still freaking explosive i mean he showed you some brock lesnar on frank mir in the rematch type uh you know ground and pound there that was really good to see for him yeah if his back is healthy and he can leverage his existing strengths in more applicable ways in different positions, it's really going to create a lot of opportunities for him, as we saw, and a lot of moments for him in the way that we did, which was that but, vicious ground and pound in round one, and certainly the end of the fight there, just absolutely unloading on Olenek, and never seemed to be too worried, never seemed to be too gassed, never seemed to be too reserved, never seemed to be too pained to try new things. So great to see that. Now it leads to an interesting question, which is, what would be next? We saw at the top of this division, or we're going to see, I should say, on Saturday, the DC Stipe third fight. You got Francis kind of waiting in the wings. Curtis Blades, who Dana White encouraged to stay active against, just had the win against Volkov. J JDS is not too far behind. He's got the fight against Rosenstruck coming up, I think, on this Saturday. So that creates an interesting possibility. Let me ask you this, BC. What's the better way to go? Curtis Blades versus uh, Derek Lewis or Derek Lewis versus the winner? of JDS and Rosenstruck, especially if it's JDS and he gets that win. You know, it's probably better, I think, for Derek Lewis if he got the latter, but I don't think Dana White loves Curtis Blades right now. I think he might want to, you know, give him a chance to to face somebody dangerous. And I know you could look at a Blades-Derek Lewis matchup and rightfully go, oh, God, you're just feeding him to Blades. Blades is a you know aggressive, in-shape wrestler who can just hold him down the whole fight. But Derek Lewis can also win the fight at any point. He's one of those fighters, it doesn't matter how good you are, he can land that bomb. So I'd much rather see, uh, I just much rather see him get a big fight. I did want to jump in and basically give you a, hey, wait, I got a new complaint. I'm glad you got off that soapbox thinking he should get Nganu next. But still, he's in the right direction, Luke. If he got any either of those two fights non-Nganu, he'd be probably one to two wins away from a title shot. And that's where he needs to be right now. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, I still think the Francis fight's the best option, but people hate it, so what am I going to do? I'm going to sit here yeah, and Yeah, because it doesn't make sense, Luke. Okay? Okay, friend? Okay? <laughs> well, here, here, here's what you're going to get if you get the Curtis Blades fight. You are probably going to get Lewis, despite the fact that he has vastly improved ground game now by virtue of just no 
physical limits that he had before, which is great. Certainly makes the fight more competitive than it already was. But my hunch is that Blades is going to take him down at will and probably wear him out and pound him out, similar to a way that Daniel Cormier did. And that's even with acknowledging, again, his sort of renewed vigor by virtue of not being kind of physically hampered the whole time. If that's what you want, if you think that's a better thing than to sort of fix what was wrong before with a striking match, okay. If you want to say... JDS would be a better fight. I wouldn't fight too much on that one, especially if he gets a nice win over Rosenstrike. I just don't think people have such a bad taste in their mouth with, from Francis that they can't even fathom it. I think the strongest argument against it is, one, JDS provides some options. I can agree with that. And then, two, Francis doesn't need to take it. I can acknowledge it. But do I think that the second fight, it's hard not to be better than the first one. But what I'm saying is, do I think the second fight would be legitimately great? I actually do. I think it would be way, way different, but that's not a hill oh, I'm prepared to die on today. I mean, look, you can only, you know, crap in a can once, Luke, okay? You're not going to do it a second time, all right? We're not going to get that right there. But, look, before you go on to more pressing things, I saw you and your buddy had another episode of Java Jerks last week. I was a little late to the party, but Abuela's trying to burn your house down. What's the postscript <laughs> on that? You have to, uh, you have to, she put you in the rear naked? What happened there? No, it's fine. They were cooking, uh, what were they making? They were, fry they were using oil to fry something. Now I forget. I don't remember. Plantains? Oh, I think it was Maybe. plantains, actually, yes. And uh, they didn't oh, open the that, window or turn the fan on. Yeah. Well, dude, plantains are delicious. I mean, what do you want me to say? That's what they eat a lot in Colombia. Anyway, uh, they, I think they were making them, and then they didn't turn the, the, the fan on above the stove, and, you know. I'm in the middle of working there, and all of a sudden things go wrong. So it's fine, though. The house. The and I did what. Speaking of abuelas, I did want to apologize for have you seen this shit last week. A lot of people jumping down my throat saying, "Hey, hey, BC, abuela doesn't have good uh, jujutsu. Uh, she just choked and stabbed that chick. You showed a murder on TV, and I'm like, look, if if I did, I apologize. In the past, I've tried to, and the producers of Morning Combat have have slapped my wrist. So uh, that was not intentional. Yeah, we did we did a nice long interview with someone, and we can't even publish it because you asked such ridiculous questions oh, that now on. legal you, has gotten involved. You can't, you can't bring that backroom <laughs> drama to the forefront here. Come on. Good job, BC. Hey, let's do more work that we can't release to the public. Good job turning everything into a frat house party. All right. With that in mind, let's go on to now the second question, which, of course, deals with the co-main event from Saturday. Chris Weidman, finally, back in the win column for the first time since the Kelvin-Gastelum fight. Although this one was a little bit of a mixed bag, right? He kind of ends with Mount, or at least back anyway, had it for most of the third round, nearly scored a head and arm triangle. He, again, got the W, I think, in a very non-controversial way. There's no question about whether Akhmedov won. So there's a lingering question, BC, which is, what exactly did Chris Weidman prove on Saturday? I think he proved uh, very similar to Robert Whitaker against Darren Till, where it wasn't the most exciting fight. He didn't answer all the questions, but he answered the most important ones. And in this case, I know Weidman's losing streak had strictly, exclusively come against elite foes, which was part of his defense as to why he wasn't washed, why he shouldn't hang up and walk away. And I think he proved that. He's still a very good fighter. Is he elite? I'm not really sure. But he had a rough stretch there of uh, making mistakes, getting caught by bigger strikers, and what he proved in this one is that you know he can get in great shape he can get a different training camp he brought it down to south carolina stephen thompson wonder boy area his brother-in-law he wants to move down there you just saw a different look a more fluid chris weidman he did get his chin checked a few times he passed that test at the end of the day chris is still my son so to speak luke because even though i've never been the biggest weidman fan right did he beat Silva twice or did Anderson lose twice? You got to ask yourself that in the mirror some days. Uh, this was a win he badly needed because, you know, he probably is 
not going to get cut if he had lost there because his name's so big. But there's going to be some backroom conversations that he doesn't want to have. And now suddenly with a win like this against a guy who was hot in Akhmedov, and to do it in dominating fashion, I know it wasn't exciting, but that third round was clearly a 1080, ragdolled him all around the cage. That tells me a lot that Weidman can still handle himself. He's Look, he's going to be, if he goes in there against a Romero type, his chin's going to be a threat, but his chin isn't, isn't done, Luke. And I think that was the biggest question he had to answer, his heart and his chin. And he answered those both beautifully. I mean, he was in tremendous shape. This is a good win. I think you have a rosier picture of this than I do. I mean, obviously he got the win, so he did the bare minimum, right? He did more than that, but I'm just I'm saying let's start there. So he did the bare minimum. Then he had, as you put it, a, a possible 10-8 round. I was still would have scored at 10-9, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't argue hardcore against a 10-8 for that third. He was in total positional control certainly the entire time. Akhmedov on the back foot, metaphorically and quite literally, for big portions of it. So, okay, that's good. You're right. He did get his chin checked a little bit at times, but never in a way where he got he didn't get dropped, you know, nothing like that. And so you think to yourself, wow, you know, a guy who's kind of hard to finish, who has been doing well of late, sort of a mainstay in that top 15, 10-ish kind of position and why I've been getting back. I think it showed a couple things. One, he can still be a player at least in the top 10. Two, the move to 205 was ridiculous. I mean, look how muscular he looked here. He told me he was last week he was hitting the weights in ways he never had before, and uh, he was really happy with the results of that. Like going to 205 is not the same reason that like Rockhold kind of really had a strong need to do that. So that was good. But the problem for me was not that he showed glaring weaknesses per se. I just didn't see the same kind of fluidity and strength, not, not the physical strength, but other ones that had been there before. His striking looked a little bit labored. His head did not move as much as I thought it might. He didn't quite have the zip and pop that he necessarily needed to. Now, I want to make sure that I say something here, which is for a performance like this where he's been making a lot of mistakes and been in the wrong weight classes and now finally trying to right the ship – you have to grade this on a curve. I'm grading it on a curve. And if it's a pass-fail class, he certainly passes. And even then, I'd give it a C-plus, B-minus, something like that. And I think that there is room to build on. This is not the ultimate arbiter of what is next. At the same time, though, I don't want to declare that, like, problem solved. I don't think that's the case. It did look at times, to me, like he was fighting a little bit underwater. He didn't quite have the same the same kind of bully uh, ability over his foes that he used to, where he was driving wrist control and shoving shoulders to the mat and easily snatching up limbs and taking risks and going for submissions. It was a little bit more, you know, punch-the-clock, blue-collar, workman-like, and that's okay. That's not a bad thing to be. Well, he needed that's the win, not exactly he... what. Hold on, but that's not exactly what he was before at middleweight. So if this is the first, maybe even second step towards rebuilding, Cool. But to me, it's not evidence in and of itself of a return to form. I don't think he was uh, properly evolving during that losing streak, Luke. I mean, he's a guy who's very well-rounded, does a lot of things well. But I think his game plans had been very in-your-face and simple. He's, you know, he's a strong, athletic guy who has good technique, but there wasn't much variance to it. And so, to, of course, sort of counter your point, what I did see was a guy who was trying some things, right? We saw a couple Wonder Boy-ish moves in the switching of stances, adding more high kicks to his game. I think this was a platform for him to try some things out, but at the end of the day, 
not F around and get caught. I mean, you, you at some point, Luke, you need a win above all else. And I think that whenever we're talking about somebody who's getting a, you know knocked out too much but not washed, right? How about an Aaron Pico who were like, dude, just wrestle, all right? Just stick to your strength. Well, he did that. He out-wrestled the guy whose strength is wrestling, and he looked great doing it. So, I, you know, and I'm not a Weidman guy. I got nothing bad to say about him. I get you, you're going to get a little critical there with the professor and the salt and pepper and pour a little sugar on him, but uh, in the name of love, by the way. But um, I think he looked great. I have no concerns, Luke. None. Okay? Yeah, but you, say he did, you say he didn't evolve during the losing streak, and I wouldn't argue with that, but you can't tell me that that was the same kind of fluid striking that you saw even in the Munoz fight. I mean, if anything, he's trying to reclaim lost territory far from building on it. Uh, I don't even think that's he's trying possible. to change. That- he's trying to change, Luke. He's trying to be a, a, you know, a different fighter now because the old way wasn't working, Luke. So it was, it was certainly on him to, you know, do what he had to do to survive. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit less convinced by that. I mean, it did work just fine all the way up through the first Anderson Silva fight. He was completely undefeated in that Munoz fight and certainly his well, other ones. The things... He was in his sure. prime, and the game I... hadn't evolved. But this is, to, but this is my point. You have to take stock of that. Okay, if that's his prime and he's not there now, what are the differences? It's not just physical decline. The physical decline coincides with a bit of skills regression that I think he's trying to reclaim. Now, part of that, to your point, might be, hey, i got to switch things up, and when Tiger changes his swing – it takes some time to get used to it. Fair enough. Like I said, if this is the building block towards something new, more sustainable level of, of uh, success, then I can't say anything else about it. I just want to be clear. I don't want folks to look at this and go, well, he got the W and he did it with a dominating third round mission accomplished. No, the devil's in the details and the details are a little bit concerning, at least at a bare minimum, unclear. And by the way, Tiger may change his swing, but he hasn't changed his stripes. I'd love, love to see that guy's DMs, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All right, so let's move on then to a topic where uh, there's just no denying the guy looked unbelievable. How about Michael Chandler in what could be, BC, could be the last fight of his Bellator career, stopping Benson Henderson in I think under three minutes, something like that, inside the first round, only the second person to stop Benson Henderson. And I think this was, uh, with strikes anyway, I think this was the quickest So the question now becomes, at 34, does a move to the ultimate fighting championship make sense? I'll I'll go first on this one, if I may. And the answer is, you know, I did not think so heading into this fight. I wasn't so sure. And even now, BC, I'll say this. If he was going to make a move to the UFC, 34 would not be the optimal window it would not be the time that i would look at in a fighter's career especially at 155 pounds and i would say okay this is your perfect slot this is the time to ring that bell on the other hand here's what he showed in this benson henderson win um i don't think benson has made a ton of progress since his ufc career either in terms of wins or the evolution of his game despite the fact that i am certain that he trains hard and still actively competes on the jiu-jitsu circuit you know pre-pandemic all that kind of thing michael chandler has continued to build on his strengths and there have been ups and downs no doubt about it there's been ups and downs in terms of fight results but he was switching stance effortless, effortlessly here he was disguising what he was doing he still takes risks and sometimes those pay off sometimes they don't but when they do they pay off with absolute spectacular results So here's my thought. Do I think he's the best lightweight in the world? You know, that seems like a bit of a stretch. But do I think he could be in exciting fights in the UFC? 
No doubt about it. If the UFC wants him and they're going to pay him more, it might just make uh, sense on that level. And I think last but certainly not least, he still seems to me at least pretty competitive. Anybody in the top five, think about it, BC. Would you watch a Chandler versus Ferguson, Chandler versus Poirier, Chandler versus Hooker, any of those, uh, Chandler versus Felder? Any of those sound amazing. So all of them. I don't. All of them. I don't know. Yes. I don't. I'll, I'll end here. I'll just say I, again: Is thirty-four the optimum window? Maybe not, but it also may just be better late than never. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I think it may just be better late, Luke. And I think you sort of touched on some of that. His game has evolved. I mean, look, 34 ain't young, but I think he's come to a point where he's his physical and his mental have meshed at a level that I actually think this is his absolute prime. Yes, he was maybe, you know, a little bit more aggressive and or durable uh, at different points in his career, but he's always a guy who, to your point, will take big chances, will lose some fights, can get hurt. I mean, why did he mesh so well with Eddie Alvarez? Because they're very similar in a lot of intangible categories. But yes, it's 1,000% time for him to find out how great he can be. He's too great of a fighter, Luke, to have gone his whole career without moving up to that highest level. And it just so happens right now that we're at a historic point in the UFC lightweight division. I mean, it is all killer, no filler. If it was a different division, you know, you look at Bellator right now in, in, in featherweight, bantamweight, uh, welterweight. Look, they, they got stocked enough lineups where you could make arguments and say he's got enough world-class competition there to stay. But he's fought the big names many times already through Bellator, been the face of the franchise, and it just so happens that right now the UFC is tops at lightweight by far. It is time to test himself. Had he gone out there and won the kind of fight against Henderson that he did a couple years back, split decision win, looked really good at times, had a great first round, but, you know, kind of not backdoored his way to the victory, but didn't look great in the final round and had a fighter peaking to, to stay alive and almost beat him, we might have the argument and say, okay, 34, a little bit too far. If he could have done this at 30, maybe it would be better. But no, Luke, he looked absolutely dynamic, to your point. The, the, the stance switching was so fluid that I think I, I'm not speaking just for myself. I had to watch the replay a couple times to really figure out exactly what he did to make sure a punch actually landed that cleanly and then you find out that's some Manny Pacquiao-Lomachenko shit he pulled out from the angle and the explosiveness to leap in and sort of land that flush. Nobody does that to Benson Henderson. And I know he's 36, but he'd won four in a row. He had really been winning the first two minutes of that fight with some hard shots that Chandler even said afterwards hurt his ribs, hurt his legs. He knew he was in for a real fight. And he got the guy out of there. That's the perfect ending. That's the climax. That's the Robert Kraft in South Florida, if you will. And I know he still will, probably. Uh, yeah, but it's you a get real my Orchids point, of dude. Asia moment. You want to play the, the, the Chandler jukebox game and start naming names? You can't lose right now. So my hope, okay? And, by the, and look, if, and he had said it building up. If Bellator will give him the money he wants, he's more than happy to go there. And if they want him to finish as a Bellator fighter. And just a reminder, his first two fights outside of Bellator, every other one has been with that organization. You could make a Pitbull second and third fight. You can do some fun things there. 
But I think it's time for him to get in that jukebox, and we'll just pick the numbers. If UFC will pay him what he deserves, um, Paul Felder might be the the Cowboy Cerrone celebrity gatekeeper of this new era, where if you're Dana White and you're looking at the right name to test this guy on the way in, good God, a Felder-Chandler fight would be insane. We also know Chandler's been saying publicly for two years that he feels he has the unique skill set to beat Habib. I know what you're saying. I'd like to see it, but I know what you're saying. But, um... A fight that won't happen, but could you imagine Michael Chandler, Conor McGregor right now? I mean, that's 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 bag of porn at the uh, at the, uh, the the stag party, if you know what I mean, Luke. I know you do. Yes, the the uh, cuck fest 2020 that you love to attend. I mean, two more points I would add. At 34 BC, you would agree. If he doesn't make the leap now, that's it, because you right. can't make small. it at the end. Say again. The window is small right now for him to fight the very elite. He's not going to get three years of this, right? The window is yeah, small. It's, it's like that scene in Star Wars where they're trying to put the Millennium Falcon and thread the needle there. It's not just small. The window is closing. If you, if you sign a four-fight deal and that takes two more years, you're not going to be the same fighter at 36 as you are at 34. If you're going to make the move, if that's a thing you want to do, and if he doesn't because Bellator wants to pay him a bunch of money and he wants to stay, hey, man, it's prize fighting. No judgment from me. But if that's a thing he also wants to do, it's, 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 it's now or it's never. But let's just play a little game here, BC, if we can. Tell me which one of these, some you would want to see more than others, I get. Tell me which one of these would not be good. This is the top 15 today. Now, these are not updated rankings from Saturday's results to the extent that that matters. But Neil Dariush might move up given his win. But okay, here we go. Uh, Michael Chandler versus Drew Dober. Banger. Michael Chandler versus Benil Dariush. Amazing. Versus Donald Cerrone. Do I, need I say more? Gregor I mean, Gillespie. They're good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a for those. I'm, I mean, I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through. I'm going to go through. 11, Makachev. Amazing. 10, Kevin Lee. He's injured, but you can imagine it would be pretty good. Future Nine, champion I, Kevin Lee. Put exactly. Put respect on his name. Thank you. <laughs> Nine, Iaquinta. Need I say more? Eight, Carlos Diego Fajera coming off that Anthony Pettis win. He's a beast, as we mentioned. Number seven, Paul Felder. This is one that everyone keeps bringing up. What about Michael Chandler versus Charles Oliveira? Doe Bronx would be a sick fight. And then it's a no-brainer. It's Hooker, McGregor, Ferguson, Poirier, Gaethje, and Nurmagomedov. In short, BC, there are 16 names I just read you. The champ in the top 15. Not one of those is bad. All of them are good in their own way, some better than others. Not one of those is bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have to say anything else, okay? Do it. Somebody All pay right. him the money. I mean, either right, way, so, Luke, so, either way, let's let's applaud him and say wherever he goes from here, he has worked hard to earn this, and this is a monster victory. The way he beat Henderson and the position that he's in on the commercial market for what's next. This is the way to end your fight when you, or your career uh, – not career, I'm sorry, but your contract. Like, this is the way to go out. This is the opposite, essentially, of what Van Zant did against Hebos. He, he went in there – Dom, well, not dominated, but got a dominating win to the point where it not only told you who was the better fighter of the two, because this is a second victory between them, but also it just made you wonder about the possibilities. And that might be his uh, golden ticket to the Ultimate Fighting Championship at the price point that he wants. But I guess we'll have to see. Um, all right, so let's talk about other title shots in the UFC as we move on to point four, BC. Cody Garbrandt, it turns out, your buddy, my buddy, Brett Okamoto, reporting, I think on Friday that Cody Garbrandt is going to get the flyweight title shot against Devison Figueredo. Now, I don't recall if they had a time for that or an event. I think it's at the end of the year, 254, I want to say. So the one for November, I believe. 
But Cody Garbrandt had all those losses in a row, finally got back in the win column, a phenomenal win over Rafael Sunsau, UFC 250, but he did it at 135. I know, BC, he had floated the idea of going to 125. His kidneys shut down. I don't know if the two are related, but one wonders. But okay, do you like this call by the UFC? What do you make of them giving a title shot to a guy with zero fights at 125? Yeah, that's where you uh, you can certainly criticize this. And uh, we had seen Cody come back and look good on this comeback. But, look, he's in a – Bantamweight's loaded, all right? We know that the, the queue is is long and heavy at this point. So uh, I thought he was going to have a great shot. I know many things that are the- long and heavy, BC. Okay, I mean, really? I mean, you wonder, you wonder why this show has a bad reputation there, Luke? Okay. Uh, we know why this happened. We know how this happens. I can't say I'm disappointed by it. Flyweight, you do need a star. And Devin, Devison Figueredo could be like the perfect villain for that division. We do have sort of some, you know, reservations. Could he actually become a star uh, with the lack of English and that kind of side of it? But it's a great fight, Cody Garbrandt Figueroa. Like an absolute great banger of a fight. Do I want to see if he can make this weight and be great at it? Yes, absolutely. I just don't feel like it was necessary because he is, his stock is so damn strong right now as it is for what he's done in those two comeback fights at Bantamweight. And even with that loaded division, he just has the name power to cut to the head of that line. So I don't necessarily know why this move at this moment makes a ton of sense. Now, you know why Dana would do it. He also, I mean, look, in that division at Flyweight, there are names that we mentioned a couple weeks ago after that Figueredo win that, that are rising, that we love, that make banger fights, the Askarovs, the Morenos, all them. But none of those guys are stars. So you get why if Cody can come back in there, he's an A-side of a pay-per-view and has been before. He can do this. So that's fine. I don't necessarily think he's screwing over anyone. Moreno and Askarov were the two guys that you can make arguments that needed to be next. So that's what softens this from being a a bad move or one you can really criticize. It is what it is, Luke. It's going to be really fun to watch. I'm not going to crap on it, but it's, it's sort of on brand in the entertainment era for UFC in terms of what they do. Yeah, that, that was exactly my reaction. It, I had a very Max Holloway response to it, which was it kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, if they're going to give a title shot to Jose Aldo off of not merely uh, uh, one fight in the bantamweight division, but a loss at that. Granted, controversial, I get it. Still, he had an 0 and one by, next to his name in terms of his bantamweight campaign at that point. You know, you sort of understand, like, they're just going to do things like this. I call it matchmaking gerrymandering to make it work. I mean, here's the only part that I don't get. Do I hate the fight on its own terms, a, a Garbrandt versus Figueredo fight? I don't know how much I like it for Cody, where you're going to be draining yourself and fighting a big-ass puncher in Figueredo, you know, mm, that's a little dicey for me. But, okay, do I think it'll be exciting? I I don't have any super hardcore reason to doubt. It could get this new Cody could be a little bit more reserved than the old one, so it may be a little boring, but let's just say for the sake of argument, probably not, and Cody will swing for the fences, and that makes it exciting. It's certainly a more exciting name than anyone else you could put in there for casual fans. I understand. I look at what, ha- what they have, the two top contenders you mentioned, Brandon Moreno and Askarov. They're coming off nice wins, but they're all decisions, I believe. And so they're tough fighters in the Pantoja win for Askarov, or I think it was the Kai Kara France win for Moreno. Those are fine wins, but they're not setting the world on fire. The only thing I just can't wrap my head around with UFC a little bit here is I get why they're doing this. I want to add a little zip and pop to flyweight. It's like... <laughs> Dudes, why did you drain and nearly kill this division only to resuscitate it? 
if it means you got to do all of this, maybe don't kill it off to begin with. And listen, hindsight's twenty twenty. Business decisions are easier to make than others. I've long said if you were going to cut one division, 125 and men's division would be the one. I know that upsets the MMA hipsters, which sometimes I'm accused of being BC. But people cry about what happens to the flyweight division and then don't watch any flyweight fights by any numbers that matter. So to me, it's just a bunch of nonsense that makes no... I, I don't pay attention to it. And I've often said, you could just dump 125 for 165. And frankly, that's a bit of an upgrade to me. I don't know why the UFC doesn't do that. But okay, you want to stay in the flyweight business. You don't have to do stuff like this if you never did the other stuff to kill it off to begin with. That's the part where that's I just can't... I just can't understand. So listen, do I hate this fight? No. Am I kind of curious about how it's going to go? Yes. Do I think it might pay dividends for the division based on a couple of different result possibilities? No doubt about it. I am not arguing. I just feel like, okay, okay, if we're going to do this to breathe some life into a division that needs some life breathed into it, I'm fine with it. But I don't want to keep seeing this just because we're a little bored with the results. Let's build divisions, BC, to the point where we don't have to do this anymore that, to me, is the long-term idea. That's a fair point. You're, you're basically saying Dana's robbing Peter and Paul to solicitate sex with Mary. And that makes a lot of sense there. You know what the most <laughs> UFC thing to happen for this? Let's say Garbrandt goes in there and beats Figueroa to win the title. And then Cejudo comes back, and the two of them fight for the flyweight title. Only they do them at bantamweight so that they both don't have to cut down. That would be the most UFC move possible at this moment. That could happen. Also, the, the one piece of good news that deserves to be mentioned here, such as you can call it that, is Dana was, like we talked about it on the show, I believe, he was weirdly noncommittal about giving Aljamain Sterling a title shot at 135 yes. pounds. Well, we have some good news, right? So it looks like Cordy Sandhagen and Marlon Marais are on a collision course. Peter Jan has the belt. Now Cody is going to go down to 125. Now, we don't know this because they didn't declare it, but it seems like, BC, that clears a path for Aljamain to fight Peter Yan, which is the fight that should have been made. Okay, that's good news. You mentioned Henry Cejudo. Honestly, here's another thing you should consider. Forget Cejudo for just a moment. Let's say Cody Garbrandt wins. What's stopping them from having them fight the winner of Yan and, and, and Sterling, especially if it's Yan, because Yan has had beef with Cody. So you, you could do that <laughs> fight belts. too. Yeah, for both belts and then make an uh, inaugural 130 belt on top of that. Yeah, they could do what they want. It's Dana Sandbox. And by the way, it's really fun. So uh, at the end, we're not going to complain too much about this. So uh, let's keep rolling on there. But yeah, shout out to Aljo getting that shot in there. Is it fair to call Corey Hans Sanhagen a friend of the show? I think he watches us, right? Yes, he is a friend of the show. He loves Morning Combat. He watches. He sends me uh, feedback about it. He says he loves it. Uh, you know, he should. T it tells you he has good judgment, BC. That's what Even it with you us, calling so. him cody multiple times too so that's great yeah you know what i get Corey and cody and everything else in between it's a little too many four-letter co's floating around here with these millennial types or a generation z whatever they are at this point so i get them all confused but i think the the folks watching this will know better uh, how to dis distinguish them okay last you ever but not CO, least by the way luke you ever have a again? bitch ass co commanding officer no uh uh jay what is it uh uh See, okay. Tupac would always rap about. It. See, a damn CO. It's a uh, the word. What's the word? All right, you're bringing well, the show. Moments. You're bringing the show to a screeching halt for this. Yeah, please. It's a please. Okay, <laughs> this will. Yeah, this will be on the blooper reel. Thank you.
Thank you. All right. With that in mind, let's get to our fi- fifth and final point. If you're just joining us for whatever reason, understand we're going to do a whole special on UFC 252 by itself later this week. But we have to talk about Showtime. And again, join me and BC, I think at like uh, 1040, 1030 or so on Friday. We'll give you the details of that for the weigh-ins. But Showtime, back in action. And BC, I got to tell you, this is what I had circled on my calendar. Benavidez taking on Angulo, super middleweight title. This is huge. Now, Angulo not necessarily setting the world on fire as an opponent. I think he's ranked, what, 15th in the division or so? It does have a Latino super middleweight title, whatever that is worth. But okay, coming off a nice upset over Sims Jr. But Benavidez is, let's make no mistake about it, the A-side, the star of the show, 23 years old. He is excellent at angles, left-handed body work. He's got a piston of a right hand. He is the real deal Holyfield. If you are looking for BC, tell me if I'm wrong, the next generation of boxing stars, you can't make that list without putting Benavidez on it. Yeah, look, David Benavidez is... uh... He won a world title at age 20, right? He's he's a tall, super middleweight who lets his hands go, loves to throw and bang, has some highlight reel finishes right there. Younger brother, of course, of, of the Ramirez who lost to Terrence Crawford in a welterweight title fight. Um, I'm sorry, Benavidez, not Ramirez. Uh, this is an interesting fight for him. We saw him go in there against Anthony Durrell and win back the title he lost when he was suspended for drug use. Now he's back on track. And what to be, we're to be clear, hoping- to be clear, I just want folks to know if you're new to Benavidez, it was Vada who caught him, Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, and it was for cocaine. He got a four-month yeah. suspension, not PEDs. He was, he was on a plane, yeah, all lit up again. He's put that behind him, Luke, absolutely. But, uh, Buck Cherry, here's the absolute point here. This division has some players right now, and a big one that everyone's circling, of course, is Caleb Plant, who uh, has a nice marketing push behind him and also, by the way, might be the best fighter in the division. We're going to find out. A slick boxer, a big-time heart. Him, Benavidez, they don't like each other. So if we are building closer toward having that fight in a unification, both guys under the PBC banner, you're talking about one of the best fights you can make in the sport because Caleb Plant is such a studied and pure boxer and Benavidez, an aggressive guy who walks you down and looks to get you out of there. So Benavidez is going to have to pass this test against a hungry guy in Angulo, but it's all about what it could be building toward in the future. And I've gone on record in the past, Luke, talking about this Division 168. It's fun. And talking about Caleb Plant, I know at times he's gotten that sort of like, oh, he's just a white guy that you can market. I think he's good enough to be Canelo Alvarez right now. I'm, I've been on that perch. I've been on that limb. I think he's a special fighter. And to see Benavidez as sort of that perfect contrast in style, if we get to that fight, uh, that tickles me in, in very nice places, Luke. I'm fired up for the future of this division couple things I would point out. Age 23, you might be asking also, you know, how comfortable is he in the spotlight? I think the Darrell fight was on PBC on Fox Fight. He looked to be in total command. Phoenix native obviously represents, uh, you know, both USA and Mexico. But to be clear, this is a guy who doesn't mind having the bright lights shown on him. So that's the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is just in his supreme talent, as I indicated, his double left-hand body work is just sublime. Three, the thing you mentioned that to me really gets my attention is he's a sort of walk-you-down kind of guy. If you go and look at most of Benavidez's finishes, they're with him pressing an opponent with the opponent's back into the ropes, and they are just waiting for the referee to come save them. What's funny about that is Angulo, he's much older, 36, out of Colombia. 
He's not the tactician or, frankly, as skilled as Benavidez, but he has the exact same kind of style. So, in other words, it's two sort of come-forward boxers, one a little bit longer in the tooth, coming off of a nice upset overall in a matchroom fight against Sims Jr. Benavidez, the slicker of the two, the younger of the two, as I mentioned, the A-side, all I'm pointing out is this one has action written all over it. Now, the question I have for you, BC, is I've been struggling with this all morning. I had to call in Abuela and my wife in reserves. How do you pronounce Angulo's... <laughs> First name. For folks who may not know, it is spelled Romer, like the word Rome, R-O-A-M-E-R. I asked my wife and my mother-in-law, how do you pronounce this? They said they'd actually never even seen that word before. So their best guess was Romer. Is that how you pronounce it? I think in Brazil it's Homer, right? <laughs> he's, poor, he's Colombian, not Brazilian. So it's, you got to roll the R there at the front. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't do well with pronunciations. In fact, I just called Benavides Ramirez about a minute ago. So you yeah. know where I'm leaning on that. But uh, good fight. Cody, Corey. As, gr- as good as, as Benavides is, by the way, if you're a boxer, if you're aggressive, you get inside, he'll, he'll be there to fight. You can hit him. He'll hit you back. So we're going to see an exciting one this Saturday. Last thing I'd say, too, is if you watch the Bellator card on Friday, remember Bellator and uh, Showtime are sharing assets. I noticed something a little bit different, and maybe it's my imagination. I didn't put up a picture-in-picture, picture, so I could be wrong about this, BC, but if you look at the first Bellator show, and then this one on Friday was the second one, it looked to me like they had picked up some stuff from what Showtime had done. They had more screens, and the lighting, those like those circle lightings were a little bit more spaced out. All I'm saying is the first show Bellator did, you could see a lot of curtain space. The second show they did looked a lot better. So here's what I'll say. If Showtime adds the music between the rounds like Bellator does or at the end of fights, they've already picked up some of the interesting set design. Things are looking better for that spot in the Mohegan Sun because remember, Bellator and Showtime, they're going to be there a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but do the curtains match the carpet? That's what the uh, viewers want to know, Luke. (laughs) Uh, By the way, there are more things happening in boxing. Very quickly, I never know how to pronounce her last name, the Norwegian who looks like she has. She has the, and I know you're going to make fun of this word, but I believe this is what it's called, a diphthong, which is when the A and the E are connected. Cecilia Breakhouse, she has a big fight coming up on DAZN. Are you at all interested in this one? There's history at stake. So Cecilia Breakhouse, I believe how you pronounce it, she has all four welterweight titles. She was the first female fighter to become the undisputed champion in the modern four-bell era. And she's going for her 26th overall welterweight title defense going back to 2009. We sort of look at, you know, Joe Lewis's 25 heavyweight title defenses as rightfully a revered mark. So this has been a long run. She's in her late 30s. She's been right near the top in the women's game of a pound-for-pound performer for now a full decade. So it's it's going to be an interesting test for her. By the way, did you see that all-female banger on Saturday in Eddie Hearn's backyard? They, they, they did a little bit of bingo there at the fight. I saw game. an all-female banger, but it wasn't in Eddie Hearn's backyard. Well, it, it may have, maybe afterwards when they took the ring down. You never know with that guy, right? You know, Well-dressed, right? Yeah. Uh, real quickly, we forgot to mention it. It is worth noting something here. How about Corey Anderson? Speaking of Showtime and Bellator and the Mohegan Sun, Corey Anderson not done with the UFC, asking for his release. And getting it. Now, BC, I did not know about this. My producer on my radio show brought this to my attention. I don't, are you aware of the medical situation that he has been suffering with more recently? I guess a few months ago, something like that, he passed out and his face hit the concrete. And you think, well, how bad could it be? Dude, it was bad. It was really bad. He posted progress pics from like the initial injury and to develop. It almost looked like I'm not, and I'm not trying to do a bit here, I swear to God. 
it looked like his face was melting uh, or he had Bell's palsy or something. Like, it just almost looked collapsed on one side. Now, today he looks way better. He's made a great recovery, but he was in the hospital for some time. It was not a good look. There are some indications that maybe some displeasure with UFC doctors uh, may have played a role in all of this. But your thoughts on him signing with Bellator? Well, number one, uh, you know, you're most most concerned about his health, and he did get cleared to return to fighting, and he made... I don't want to say, uh, excuse me, a, a dramatic turn, but there was a couple months there where he wasn't public with the information that his career was at risk for what you're saying. Not too long after his knockout loss to Jan Blahowitz, if you read that lengthy Instagram post that he put out there, he did collapse. They were wondering if it was concussion-induced. His whole career was looking to be in trouble. Um, great to see that he's back. Great to see a very rare occurrence, Luke, very rare, that somebody in the midst of a UFC contract can essentially say, I want out, I want to sign with a competitor, and all sides basically say, okay, and that's what he did. He got released in the middle. He wasn't a free agent, signed with Bellator, and obviously from a fighting standpoint, he's still in his physical prime at age 30. This is a big boost to that light heavyweight division when you consider you have a Ryan Bader, you have somebody like Musasi, who's the middleweight champ but can move up. You've got Leota Machidas. You know, you got names, whether they be you know ex-UFC stars or some rising guys, where you can make some fun fights, and he's instantly a player in that division when you consider that his knockout loss to Blahowitz came after a pretty impressive win streak. Now, as long as he's physically okay, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a plus. It's a plus for all parties. I just wonder, Luke, how it ended, right? Because if you look at that IG post, like you teased to, there was some unhappiness with the way uh, he felt UFC doctors dealt with him in the aftermath of his loss, that he didn't get the coverage he needed. I wonder if that was part of the conversation when he decided to ask to be let go and they essentially said yes now we do know that dana white wasn't the biggest Corey anderson fan didn't love that time that he showed up at what that trading card show in new jersey and tried to fight john jones right there to get on the radar which was an aggressive move i don't really know the details but i do know it's a big win for all parties including Corey anderson who uh, you know it was on the outside looking in in that division at that moment it's a great restart it's somebody that ryan bader could have a competitive fight against i mean he blew through that heavyweight tournament did he take a punch in the entire heavyweight tournament i don't know that he did maybe one or two or something something ridiculous Corey anderson is a legitimate threat to him uh does he beat ryan bader probably not i don't i don't know but you're right people think of him as like 36 37 he's 30 he's 30 the guy's been doing this for a long time yes but he's only now coming into his physical prime and i think in bellator where in general it's not as deep as ufc but at the top a nemkov if he ends up beating bader or a bader these could be really interesting fights for him it's a good career restart it's good for you uh, for bellator to get a, a sort of a high uh, caliber talent in the way that he is and you know having lived through the trent williams saga with the washington football team here in dc man when an athlete no longer trusts the medical staff in an organization that is a hard line to come back across they that you you lose trust in medical personnel that you have to switch them out to get that person to stay or to or to to believe in them or whatever the case may be. And yes, you know Trent Williams, one of the best left tackles in football. Corey Anderson, probably not in the same way as coveted um, that Williams is for that position. I'm just pointing out, you know, hard, those are hard feelings that do not go away easily. So kind of interesting to see what happened there with him. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right. With that in mind, let's do this, BC. You and I have been talking to each other. It's time for the viewers to talk to us. It's time for DMs from Donks. And I don't know if I got sent the uh, the DMs here from uh, Corey. Corey? Oh, yes, you did. 
Not Corey. I'm sorry, Gaffney. Uh, okay, let's get to this. Up first, BC, from Sm- Sam Oakley 99. I was going to say Smokely. Probably that too. Uh, if Stipe wins the trilogy fight, which we'll get to later this week, does he take DC's place at the GOAT table? Now, obviously, BC will have a bigger conversation about it, but your early sense is what? See, this is very interesting, and I've been called the Stipe hater throughout my uh, talking head run that has coincided with uh, Stipe's heavyweight championship reign. And to be honest, look, I have picked against him at almost every single turn. It's not that I don't respect what he's done. It's just that it's this, okay? Here's what it is, all right? When Stipe was about to break the record for heavyweight title defenses— and it was, ma- it was sort of stamped on him that because he was about to do that, he was automatically the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. I didn't think that to be true. Maybe it's an emotional reasoning. Maybe it's some other things. It's not that I don't see what makes him great. And by the way, what makes him great are really awesome blue-collar intangibles, right? His ability to withstand punishment and come back and keep himself. I mean, that rematch against DC and the way he knocked him out and won it was like personified what makes up Stipe who he is. But at the same time, I didn't think, even though his resume is very strong, that it automatically makes him the greatest heavyweight ever. I know it's a, it's, it's a division that has always had issues with anyone putting together a long streak. Kane, I think for my money, still probably the best actual heavyweight in his prime I've ever seen in UFC. Couldn't keep it together. Randy Couture, maybe for more emotional reasons, I really have a lot of love for in this you know, conversation. People laugh at me that I even put him in that conversation. But I think at the end of the day, whoever wins this, yes, they are the greatest UFC heavyweight by this point. If Stipe wins, he'll now have added two wins over Daniel Cormier to all those other former champions. You cannot deny that. But does that put him in that upper table? Now, to remind people what that upper table means, to me it means who has a, a stake, a foot in the door in the greatest of all time conversation? And I know some people, they don't care, but I don't care if you don't care because us journalists and, and fans, this is currency to us. To me, it's John Jones, Anderson Silva, GSP, Demetrius Johnson, Fedor, and I put Daniel Cormier in there when he knocked out Stipe. Some people didn't think that. That's fine. Is Daniel Cormier going to be in there if he wins on Saturday? Yes. Is it going to be in there if he loses? I don't know. You know, it, it's, there's a thin line between the GOAT table and the guys below it, the Jose Aldos, et cetera, who are great but aren't in that GOAT conversation. Does Stipe get in that GOAT conversation if he beats Daniel Cormier a second time? No. He doesn't. I'm sorry. Wow. That's a long-winded way of being like, I've been accused of being a Stipe hater. I'm going to keep that Cal Ripken streak alive today with this answer. I mean, look, Luke, he's an all-time, he's a, he's an all-time great heavyweight champion. But we have to have levels to this, right? There's got to be that, 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 that door at the end of the hallway with the stairway up to the attic that only a few people can go. I mean, here's, here's the th- this is a really interesting debate. Again, we'll have a much longer one on Thursday when we do our special 252 episode of Morning Combat. The, you know, and I think you would agree with most of this. Here's why it's complex. Let's say Stipe wins. To me, he still doesn't occupy the same space as what Fedor did after beating Krokop in, what, 2004 or five. There was just not the same level of looking down at the game that way in, 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 he, in which he was. So to me, I'm not saying we can't have a debate about all-time best heavyweight. I think it's separate. I think we need to have a debate about best UFC heavyweight of all time. That's a little bit more doable, at least at the current juncture. 
The other problem for Stipe that he's up against by no fault of his own is DC had this run at light heavyweight for basically the majority of his career. All of his biggest fights up to the basically Stipe were all essentially at, well, no, I mean, he had the, the Grand Prix too in Strike Force. But after that, it was just, you know, this long extended run at light heavyweight. And so he didn't get time to build up a heavyweight resume. Now, the argument goes if DC wins and goes two and one against a guy who was the greatest UFC heavyweight champion, it just automatically makes him that way. But there are some people, I'm not saying I'm one of them, but you do have to take it seriously. It's like, is Connor the best featherweight of all time? Yeah, he beat Max and he beat uh, Aldo, but then he bounced. He has no real record in, in, in Poirier too, but like only Max is still in that division and he didn't beat that version of Max. So like, what does it really mean? It does count, but it's not the same exact thing as having this like Jose Aldo long extended campaign there. So that makes the argument tricky as well. For me, if Stipe wins, he is clearly the best UFC heavyweight champion ever. And we can have a separate debate about MMA. If DC wins, I probably still, in my mind, say he was the more talented of the two. But the lack of an actual campaign, a long campaign, again, not his fault. He was doing it on account of Cain Velasquez. I do think it muddies the debate. People, people want clarity on this. I'm not entirely sure you're going to get it. I guess we'll have to see. So, well, you still didn't answer the question that that DMer Smokely, Jeff Smoker, if Stipe wins the trilogy, does he take? Yeah, but the question presumes that DC's got a place at the goat table. Does and he? That's that's a, that's an argument to itself right there. But answer the question straight up: If Stipe wins on Saturday, who cares? Any other, you know, no other. Put everything aside. If Stipe wins on Saturday, is he in the greatest fighter of all time conversation? No. You mean like top five? Yeah, the upper, the damn upper room. The the no, people who five. have an no. argument. Yeah, no, Mm-mm. no, he's not. Top ten, top fifteen, hey. slightly different argument, but not top five. It's got to no. be levels to this, Luke. Okay. Yeah. All right, you can have a nice podcast. Is it MK worthy? No. All right. <laughs> All right, we move on to Alan Ek. Can Sean O'Malley BC be considered a real genuine prospect if and when? He beats Marlon Vera. How many fights does he need to be considered a title contender? Well, he's asking two different questions. Well, he goes, is he a prospect? And then he goes, is he a contender? Like, let me send Alan EK to the woodshed here. You're asking me, is Sean O'Malley, can he be a genuine prospect if he beats Marlon Vera? He already is. How is he not right. a genuine prospect? He's exactly. a future star. He's 25 years old. He's knocking fools out. So, yes, okay? And by the woodshed, remember that scene in Commando where Arnold jumps into that woodshed and hides up in the ceiling, and the guy comes in and he takes that giant machete right to the balls, Luke? Let off some steam. Yes, thank you. All right, um, can he? Is he a title contender with a win? He is because he is on. I think UFC just threw him in the back end of the top ten right now. Maybe for this fight to pump it up more. Marlon Vera, a very tough out and credible, uh, credible opponent. And oh, by the way, a lot of people thought he beat Song Yudong, and he got rewarded with a huge fight coming off a loss, in which a lot of people, probably the UFC too, thought that he won. Now he gets a pay per view co main opportunity. This is no like. Uh, you know, bring in the, the lamb for the slaughter for the future star to beat. If um, O'Malley runs through him and does a uh, Anderson Silva on Chris Lieben type of performance, then we'll go, oh, my God, he is that guy. But this is a tough ass out of a fight. And if he wins it, yes, 100%. He is a title contender. Luke, they will have an incredible, meaning the UFC, an incredible hard time over the next 12 months keeping Sean O'Malley out of a title fight if he beats Vera impressively on Saturday. 
I mean, let's just, let's just be clear about this. Marlon Vera is an excellent fighter. He is a very, very credible talent. Colin Oyama has done wonders with the guy, and of course he's naturally talented and hardworking himself. But I just mean you get the right coach with the right kind of fighter, with the right kind of attitude, and you know the, the right outcomes begin to happen more often than not. I, I have a very high level of respect for Marlon Vera. This is easily, far and away, no doubt about it, the toughest fight of Sean O'Malley's career. You beat Marlon Vera in a way where let's just say whatever this means not there's no controversy about it like when he gets his hand raised you knew that was the guy who was gonna get his hand raised whether it's a clear decision a dominating one or a stoppage let me tell you something that is a very very that's an elite club man I take Marlon Vera very seriously so is he a prospect yes he is already a prospect you beat Marlon Vera and now you're on the short list. I'd put you in the top seven, top eight or so. Still a little bit more work, but you are on the money with this one, BC. If he beats Marlon Vera in the way, let's say, that he's been beating opponents, which I don't think that he will, but let's say that he does. Dude, <laughs> the hardest thing in the world is going to be for the UFC to press the brakes on him because he is yes. going to be on a rocket ship to the stars. People love this guy. As I said before, he is effortlessly cool. He understands the new generation of fans. They, he is them in so many ways. He has exciting fight style. And look, BC, I don't understand the purple hair thing. Takashi 69 does it. He does it. It seems weird to me. But I'm a 41-year-old white dad. No one gives a shit what I think. I don't know what cool is anymore, but I know cool when I see it because everyone surrounds it, and that dude is cool. Everyone responds to what he's doing. So... If you beat Marlon Vera, look out, dude. He'll have a title shot very soon. Again, probably one or By two way, more fights after that, but he'll be very close. One to one to two at most. I mean, seriously. Uh, yeah, we, right. we did brush pass. Speaking of forty-one, uh, how was your birthday? Did you do? I mean, I had a I had a conference call with you on your birthday, so it couldn't have been that exciting. But did you guys no. do anything good? Abuela well, make you the old uh, steak and potatoes, or what? This is uh, you're gonna laugh at this, but this is the story of my life. I actually got really sick on my birthday. I had a terrible, terrible migraine and was basically stuck indoors for most of the weekend uh, because I was in agony. So I feel right. great today. Sorry I didn't ask you about it at the top of the show when you asked <laughs> me how my weekend was and I selfishly had some ready-made, nostalgic, corny references to sling at you. But, That's Luke, I hope, that you, I hope that you feel right. better. I hope you're able to celebrate yourself, even if it was by yourself, uh, uh, you know, just... 41 hey you know no one no you know yeah. no one gives a shit about you when you're 23 either luke okay you know what's my age again that's what i'm telling you dude father's day it's better than birthdays every day of the week uh all right from dengue fever or something denji deng yong fa dengue fever asks what is your most underrated excuse me who is your most underrated gatekeeper in the history of mma bc uh is it okay underrated to say paul felder right now in the history of MMA, that's that's the choice you go to. Could you have no, more well, recency explain, bias, please? Explain, take, take, explain what this question's actually asking. Are they, are you? He's are sort they of asking, asking me... who was a guy or a lady who was really good, who only the very very best could beat, but they've got some legit wins, and maybe they're a fan favorite in terms of their fight style themselves. Okay, so they're long remembered as a gatekeeper, as a gatekeeper. Yet, if they were in another era, they may have been a title contender. Is that the spirit of this question? Or, you know, they were never the best among their peers, but they were good enough to have respect and maybe exciting. And you knew if someone beat that guy that they were legit. Okay. Who do you got? Who do you got? 
So I'm going to just do it off the top of my dome. You know, one person who comes to mind is uh, Frank Trigg. You know, he yes. only yes. had he had bad fights against uh, Hughes or, um, you know, St. Pierre, but he beat the shit out of Dennis Holman. He beat Hanato Verissimo when people just weren't doing that. Um, he was and he beat Misaki up at middleweight. Like, dude, he was fucking good. But, you know, was he the best of his generation? No, he was not. Uh, so he'd be a great, great name to call out. Um, um, uh, Ian McCall. How about Uncle Creepy? I hate to say it, but it's probably true. You know, he got I mean, he, and he could have been more than that. And maybe to an extent he was. But you're right. Based on how the things shook out. I can't about, say you're uh, wrong. How about Claudia? Um, she really a gatekeeper. If you've been in, um, I don't know how I feel about that one. Maybe okay, it's a little harsh. It's a little Cat Zingano. I mean, we can go places with this. Okay, Zingano is an interesting one. Um, maybe she'd be that way, or you could even say Pena. But the you know, oh, the book I is got still... it. I got it. I got it. Keith Jardine all the way. Keith Jardine's an interesting one. Yeah. How sad was it when he beat Chuck, dude? You'd never seen so many yes. sad dudes in affliction shirts in your life when yes. Keith Jardine hey, you know beat up really the old. Good fight? I Who? just watched it for the first time uh, a couple months ago. Jardine mm. against Sugar Rashad in the Ultimate Fighter tournament. It's a good ass fight. Uh, actually, people forget how good this fight was. Uh, Keith Jardine versus Stefan Bonner. That actually was a yes. hell of a contest yes. too. That was a good one. Um, I would say Forrest, but he won the title, so that's not really fair. Uh, so I couldn't say him. Yeah, I would think. say Is Matt Sarah, but like... he won the title, so that's not really yeah. fair. Um, Chris Lytle was kind of one of those guys a little bit. Definitely. Chris, that's a perfect bonus pick machine, right there. You know? Um, uh, what, all right. What if somebody yeah. said uh, the Diaz brothers? Uh, no, they're, mm. not gay. they're not gatekeepers. They're trendsetters. They're badasses. Yeah, they're not They would be if they played the UFC's games. Yeah, right? good, they, point. It, good point, good point. If they let so, the no, UFC... No, yeah, I mean, the real answer to this question is Cowboy Cerrone. He fits that in every yeah. category. Yeah, you're right. Right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, yeah. Uh, uh, and, and by the way, until his recent run, I might have said uh, Jorge Masvidal, but I think he's turned things around and really... It, not that he didn't have a shitload of ability, but he just couldn't quite get the W when you thought he needed it, but now he's got him, so it's a little bit different. Uh, okay. This is a weird one from at Slickman two five three BC. Do you guys? Did you guys rather hear? Uh, they spelled it wrong. It's Kamzat, not Kazmat Chemayev. I think that's right. Uh, say in twenty eighteen, after Connor insulted Khabib, he tried to fly to Ireland to beat up Connor, but he was arrested instead. Yeah, that's a weird story. It's like I went to go fuck you up, but I couldn't get <laughs> I couldn't get past customs. So take that or something. I don't know what to. Make I mean, of that I don't. One. Do I believe it? Yeah. All right. Those two, the, them hoes are our loyal, Luke. Okay. Them them guys will will kill for their brethren. Okay. We saw it two two nine, right? Yeah. They uh, they mean business. They operate Enough on an said. honor society, not a um, not a dignity society sort of basis. I mean, which... you know, you can crack jokes all you want on this show. You disrespect them, they might knock on your door, Luke. Okay. What are you gonna do yeah. now? That's all right, you're gonna of, roll. What are you gonna do? You gonna up. take them? You you gonna take them down? What are you gonna do, Luke? Okay, what? What do you got? What are you gonna no, uh, Saluev crank them? What do you got? Suluev, you mean Amar Suluev? Yeah, uh, yeah. who died in prison? Split? By the way, do? you know he died in prison, right? I do not know that. No. 
Yeah. He had stomach cancer and died in prison. He turned out to be a hitman for the mob. Did you know that? Luke, I did not know that either. Wow. Wow. Did he work with Ian Heinish? Hey, uh, Luke, I don't know. um uh, would you uh, this is a legitimate question because you've been in bar fights. You you ragdolled that guy in a wife beater that time and ended his life. Um would you ever <laughs> shoot in a in a bar fight? Would there be a situation where you would? I'm not talking about I, firearms. I you mean like a wrestling shot? Would you go for a double leg? Yes. Double leg, no. Body lock, sure. Like a standing clinch? Yeah, like around the waist or high around the shoulders. Yeah, sure. Under underhooks or overhooks? Uh, underhooks. Always inside control is always better. I, you can remove people from bars that way if they're like trying to fight somebody else. It's great. Okay. Okay. All right, if, last if one on I, this. Uh, no, I was, I, was, I was creating scenarios, Luke. If I came up behind you in a, at a bar and applied a rear naked, yes. uh, would you go uh, tap or nap? Uh, you would go flat to your back, and it'd be the worst mistake of your life. Let me, let me just assure you. Uh, okay. We'll see. We'll see, Luke. We'll see when you least expect okay. it. We'll see. Let, okay. me, let me say something. You want me to break your ribs by crashing on top of you? I highly encourage you to try it. All right. Let's okay. do this. Okay, uh, Luke. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, from who are these fucking names? Anti Rain and uh, Ant I Ray N. Yes, and from Antifa. If you had to go through the rest of your life wearing Seinfeld's clothes or having Seinfeld's hair from the nineties, which would you choose, BC? <laughs> uh, you got to go. I mean, you gotta, listen to me. You got to go hair. Here's why. Because you can just always shave your head. You can't. No, that, that would the break clothes. the spirit. That would break the spirit of the question. The question is the hairstyle, Luke. Okay. All right. Um, I didn't say I had to have it. No, clothes. it didn't say I had to have his style. It said I had to have his hair. All right. It, the the be, the question is better said if you were a single male close enough to your your prime, right? Because, you know, if you're married, I mean, whatever, right? I just look at this crappy haircut I just pissed my wife off with. Whatever, Luke, okay? Uh, but if you're single, would you rather try to pull off game with Seinfeld's 90s hair or his clothes? I think you got to go... Oh, man. I think you got to go hair still. You still have to go hair. I think you can pull that hair off with a modern clothing setup, get in shape, you know, fix up your grind her profile. Yeah, you're not going to win either way. But, dude, he had those, like, dad shoes and, like, pleated khakis. You, you're, I mean, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time on Eskimo Tube dressed like that. Yeah, you I ain't. I know that. <laughs> you, you ain't going hard in the paint or the taint, Luke. You're not, you're not going anywhere, okay? Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's going to be real bad for you. So you got to go with hair and then just figure something out from there. Uh, all yeah. right. With that in mind, that is where uh, we now pass the show. Speaking of a taint joke, I can think of nothing better as a setup to our next segment. Take it away, BC. All right. Uh, woohoo! Let's do it. You know what we do on this show? We scour the globe for the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs and lows of combat sports and beyond over the past seven days. It is Have You Seen This Shit? Luke, we are heavy on actual fights from over the weekend in HYTHS this week. Let's start with UFC Vegas 6 from the uh, Apex Center. Uh, hello, Benil Dariush. How about spinny shit that worked against red-hot Scott Holtzman or, or hot-rod Scott Holtzman or whatever? Benil 
Done that, Luke. How about this? Mm. Bro, he was on fire in this fight. Holtzman just got bulldozed. And he's a talented guy, but Dariush. Good look. look. Just watch Dariush. Look at all these punches. Just look. Just look. And even 30 seconds before that, Luke, he landed about four or five just stiff shots to set him up. This was a wow. Wow. I mean, for a guy that's known for more of the submission highlight reel, is he becoming a real player, Luke? Yeah, there's actually something called the Dariush guard in jiu-jitsu, obviously made from him. For him to do this is just kind of incredible. You still can't get the Barboza loss out of your head with him, but... Man, when he's on, he is on. He is just incredible. Also, surprise Herb didn't let that one go <laughs> at least a little oh, bit if dare, I'm being honest how with dare you. you. How dare you? Come on. Dominic Cruz told me he smells like bitches and cigarettes. Let's roll on to the undercard here. Check out a very mulleted Andrew Sanchez sending Wellington Terman to hell with one punch here, Luke. Yes. Oh. You know, I don't like the mullet. I don't think it's cool or funny. Again, no one cares what I think. I'm just letting you know. But I'll tell you this, I have heard stories about uh, who Sanchez has fucked up in the gym. You know, guys yes. he was brought in to train with, and then Sanchez just went to work on him. And it's never quite translated to the octagon. And beating uh, Wellington here in the way that he did certainly is uh, amazing. Not an upper echelon opponent. But I'm telling you, man, people have told me, multiple people have told me, he's like, dude, you know who's really good is Andrew Sanchez. Um, I was glad wow, to see I'd him finally live up to that name a little bit here. The El Dirty. Wow, party in the front, violence in the back here. Mike Pyle in the house. I like it a lot. All right, let's roll on one more from this undercard. We saw that guy uh, choke out the bum out of his shorts a couple weeks ago. How about Gavin Tucker getting yeah. caught in a choke here by Justin Janes and removing his clothing to break free? I'd like to see Bro. this in the women's game, Luke. Uh, his, his shorts look like a can of... Um, for loco have you <laughs> that noticed is that a great call yes. <laughs> yes yes i was like have dude you, you gotta get that? four loco how is four loco honestly serious question how in the fuck is four loco not sponsoring someone in the mma world that seems that like great. the perfect demo yeah energy malt liquor i mean that that makes you commit crimes yeah it's the uh, mickey's malt liquor of the 21st well, century well hold on they took out the caffeine although if you do what my fraternity brothers did you open the four loco, and this is when they removed all the caffeine, and then you dump a five-hour energy in it, and then you drink oh, it. Oh, my God. That's a heart attack, Luke. Yeah, it's also fun. All right. <laughs> hey, that's great. Hey, let's go to the uh, Mohegan bubble for Bellator 243 hijinks. Speaking of weird shorts, you see Chris Lencioni bust out the robe and then the cocktacular undies here, Luke. I'm not down for this, okay? It's, it's just not the way I roll. I'm sorry. Well, dude, you got to be honest. First of all, his opponent, AJ Agazarm, just not making the best showcase of himself. Also, here's what you just missed, BC. You're burying the lead here. Above his waistline, Lencioni, you can't quite tell from this video – he has a cock tattoo. The co I'm not exaggerating. I believe the cock, I could be wrong about this. I believe it is ejaculating, but at a bare minimum, it has wings. See those wings on his stomach? They are the wings of a dick tattooed on his stomach. That is not a joke. <laughs> uh, you're going to fly it into the hangar anytime soon? Uh, yeah, this is, uh, anyway, those shorts, Luke, they're, I mean, they're awkward, but they do add definition, right? I mean, maybe you could consider uh, picking one up for this weekend. I'm going to wear one of those to, like, the grocery store. Just that and some shoes. Okay. See what happens. And okay. a mask. And I'll be like, what? I got a mask on. 
All right. Well, speaking of uh, what that tattoo is doing here, Luke, you see this incredible knockout by Valerie Loreda on the undercard. Just her third pro fight at ATT. She gets a lot of attention on social media. I forgot her opponent's name, but she was talking ill dung about how Valerie represents women, and she made her pay, Luke. That's a hell of a finish. And then we get the victory dance a la Bechkohea here. Yeah, you know it was a good dance when Russia Today posts it. You ever watch, look at their sports account? Their sports account is like all men's sports, and then the only time they post about women is when there is a degree of, in their minds anyway, sexual yes. innuendo. And they posted this, and I was like, oh, it must have been a hit if, if Russia Today is posting it this way. Yeah, well, you know what? The fight was a, a little bit boring up to this point, but, uh, you know, it's a third pro fight. It's not going to be the most amazing thing. Nice crack there I mean, to, to drop her. Yeah, yeah, she's got good hands, you know. Um, the only thing is, ta- Luke, what's with her style? She runs the whole fight. It's Taekwondo style. You know, where you have all that all right. space. She has to constantly... Dude, she has a style that's not quite ready-made for MMA, and she's still trying to figure it out. But as you've seen, she's athletic. She trains hard. She has a good team behind her. Let's see, you know, three fights in, not everyone's John Jones. Let's, let's give her some time. So let's see how she well, goes. Well, let's advance it to when they read the decision and she had the gi on. Uh, she went at it again here, Luke. So my question is this. She gets a lot of fire from people who say that she's got a very – she might have the thirstiest Instagram account this side of Pearl Gonzalez, but she yeah. claims, Luke, it's not for the men. It's for herself. Are you okay with this level of showmanship as a father of a daughter? And I'm, I'm not trying to crack jokes here. Are you okay with this imagery that she puts out? Well, yes, because I am not a Victorian-era prude who wants to regulate the what a adult here does with her uh, Instagram account. It's perfectly fine. I don't care at all. I will say, though, I'm a little bit skeptical of that argument. Like, it's, it's for myself. It's not for anyone. If it's for yourself, then why post it at all? Like, it's social media by default. So here's my thing. It's like, do I believe that there is something about being proud of the way you look, especially for someone who trains really hard? Of course. I, I don't think that is a bad argument. Do I believe that the entirety of it is for um, self-gratification in some kind of way? No, I don't buy that. I think a key part of it is attracting the opposite sex. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I just think you should be a little bit honest about it. Yeah, I mean, be honest. It's marketing. It is what it is, right? Never trust a big button to smile. That girl is poison. We actually, though, have live footage of a guy in a gym watching her post dance during his workout. Gaff, can we advance this, this film? Good. This is great right here. Look, I mean, you know, that's killing the two birds with one stone right there. You get a good workout in while you, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, what is that called, Luke? You're a big, you're a big uh so this is a um, this is for your lats. You would face sitting the mat, and it would be like you're doing a pull down. Uh, my man here is just working his glutes. What can I tell you? I think he's working more than the glutes, Luke. I think I think he's trying to get the tattoo from uh, Lencioni uh, uh, midriff going. All right, yeah, let's roll on is. to. P- Hey, PBC on Fox had their first card on Saturday at the Microsoft Theater in Los Angeles. And Luke, check out the trunks on super middleweight Lennox Allen there in the purple. Twitter was all over him. Now, we've seen crazy trunks before. Hector Macho Camacho, Floyd Mayweather, Gervonta Davis wear the heavy leather trunks. What about these? uh, These look like ropes outside of a private club when you wait in line. What is this, Luke? These to me are stupid. But I thought that Gervonta's trunks in the uh, Mayweather-McGregor fight, he was, the, he was what, the co-main for that? I think that's right? Yes. yes. He, his trunks in that one were not... They looked like he had 
murdered a hairy Smurf or something. Like he had killed Cookie Monster <laughs> and then cut him in half and was wearing his legs as trunks. I didn't understand it at all. These are stupid. I, I will acknowledge, but I'm, I don't hate these. This is ridiculous. I don't hate these. I hate when people show up in like the diaper, you know, the old Hector Camacho, Gabe Rosado ones yeah. where you can like see the underwear under Keith Thurman likes to wear them. That's not my style, but uh, this is actually a decent fight. Big win here at super middleweight for David Morrell jr. There in the black. And uh, we roll on deeper on the undercard. Luke, a lot of real boxing folks talking good stuff about this glow, uh, this rising heavyweight, 34 year old Michael coffee. He's 10 and oh, Luke, he's an ex Marine. And he no, there's no knocked, such thing, BC. And he knocked out Luis Eduardo Pena. This guy could be interesting. Got a late start to his career, 34 years old, like I mentioned. But if you watch this at all, he can move and he can punch from different angles. He's not just a banger. He's got a lot of craft going toward him there. Did he box for the Marine Corps? Do you know? I do not know that. Yeah, you know what? Semper Fi to this devil dog, this dark green Marine here. He looks pretty That's good. What I'm talking about. All right. Hey, Luke, you have established last week that you hate Sweet Caroline by Neil yeah. Diamond and the use of it more than anyone ever. Well, we found somebody who hates it more. Let's go to a bar. I believe this is Scotland. Sweet Caroline comes on and check out that guy who just walked in front of the stage. He does not approve of this set list, Luke. <laughs> that guy is uh, he's from Scotland, but that guy is a fucking patriot. Let me tell you something. <laughs> What Luke, this is hero. totally you. This is, I mean, you know, PTSD coming in. Just get oh, out of here. Man. Get angry at the world. Yeah, thank you for defending our country and defending that stage. Wow. That Luke. guy, yes. I would buy that guy. Not only would I not throw that guy out of the bar, I'd buy him a beer. Uh, there is a hero. backstory to here. Some people were saying that the guitarist used to bully that dude. When he was younger and he was trying to get payback. I don't know the full story, but uh, it's fantastic. You can research it yourself. Nobody died during the filming of this clip, unlike last week. So let's roll on here. Hey, you know uh, Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel, getting a lot of flack for his, uh, his bad cliff dive video. Check out what he did off the roof of his house, Luke. Full frontal with the flip. Oh, this God. is fantastic. Do you know how badly that could have gone, Luke? You know what? He, you can't say he's not an athlete. I mean, he is an athlete. I mean, you know? when, you, when you got money and a lot of time, you can do crap like this, right? Check out this alternate angle. I'm going to give all, him props. I'm a big fan. First of all, how does, how does a guy who plays for the Montreal Alouettes afford a house like this? You know, I don't know. He was always sort of had a little sketch to him going on, right? But uh, I I've always been a big fan of number two there, right? Greg Kelly, he... number two. Johnny Manziel, number two, okay? You listen, here's, here's the thing about him. Him and Tebow, folks, for, folks don't want to acknowledge this, but it's really true. They were college football. And what I mean by that is they're clearly neither of them could hack it in the pros. But I was there in New Orleans for the Sugar Bowl when uh, the Gators played the Cincinnati Bearcats. Dude, Tebow in college was fun as shit. This guy at Texas A&M was fun as oh. shit. You just guaranteed good time when you watched them play. And I, don't, I think folks should acknowledge that. They should. They should. I mean, look, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson just bought the damn XFL. I'd want to see Johnny Manziel as a star of that, wouldn't you? Well, this is why these guys got to get paid in college, because they can't play at the next level, but they played their ass off at that one. And they were yes. fun. I think there, sh there should be financial rewards for that. Well, look, he could have ended his future career if this had gone wrong. And, Luke, we've seen it on this show before. Can we advance the slide? Sometimes you, if you don't have the athleticism of a Johnny Manziel, you should not be trying this stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh yeah, I think I think he was fine. He may never walk again though. Yeah. Wow. All right. I think, I hey, think uh, this was I think this was my first episode of me hosting the MMA Hour. <laughs> Uh, let's move on. Speaking of fails, uh, check out this amazing skateboard crash. He's just a skater boy. Oh! He said, see you later, boy. Wow. Oh, oh shit. Who did he hit? Is that uh, Marty McFly and Back to the Future? Jay, can you? Where's Jay nah, when we need You know need what, him? man? I feel bad for that delivery guy. That's just some donk delivering fucking ramen on Uber Eats. Oh. And, this, and this jackass fucking douchebag skater is running into him, you know? Jay, Good you thing, did a I, you know what, all... Back to the Future. What is he wearing? Is that the Darth Vader costume from it? Uh, I believe. Uh... Jay, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this much. Yes, that is a, that the is guy... accurate. That is accurate. He's coming with Van Halen skater, from the... the future. I was like, you know what makes this clip, BC, is the skater. Watch the back of his head bounce off the pavement here. Bock. Oh. oh. You know gosh. what? I'm glad he got he got a little bit of CTE, and it makes me feel better. Can we point out the hey, matching uh, the matching bag on the back of the delivery bike to the outfit? Like that's pretty oh, impressive. Yeah, that, look, maybe he's just a, a a COVID truther here, Luke. Maybe he's just just protecting himself, right? Yeah, is this is America. You? This is America running into the uh, COVID virus right here. That is true. <laughs> hey, Luke, let's check out drunk tricks. They always they always try crazy things. Um, uh, don't be alarmed, Luke, if she falls head over feet. <laughs> Don't don't be surprised if I love her for all that she is. That is successful, Luke. What kind of balls do you need to pull that off? Dude, what sausage fest is she at? Jesus Christ. That's pretty impressive. I'll tell you, to to, to walk away from that, that is that's not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah, you know what? She, right. That wasn't that bad of a tumble because she initiated the fall. But I'm just looking at these dudes and I'm like... Yeah, that's a dude. One day, these people are going to reproduce BC, and uh, do you think she, and then they're going to you know. Uh, do you think she hooked up or threw up within two minutes after this? This was filmed? I don't. I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. <laughs> All right, hey, hey, Luke, you ever grow up wondering like which superheroes could win in a fight? It's sort of a mythical matchup Monday. We'd never have an answer. Now yeah. we do. Check out this brawl, Luke. Oh, well, yeah, look at the, the Muay Thai clinch. Seen. Look at the Muay Thai clinch from Spider-Man. He turned Batman into bitch Franklin. Dude, and Robin just stays being a bitch. I don't, I've never <laughs> liked Robin. Man, look fuck Robin. Look at Spidey Robin. with the plum, though. Peter Parker going plum on Batman there, though. Let me just, let me say something. Robin is a bitch-ass hoe. His character has never either? been cool. He looks like a fucking one of the elves who makes toys in the Will Ferrell movie. He can't fight for shit. They tried to make him cool in the Bane movie and didn't do fuck all with it because fuck Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Man, fuck Robin. The best thing that they could do with Robin is get him viciously killed uh, by Venom or something else. Fuck Robin. As the He's, Robin of the He's also missing his mask. He's not, like, where's his mask? He's not wearing yeah. a little eye yeah. thingy. He's got, He's got no identity integrity he is such a fucking quizzling loser piece of shit always hated however props to to robin black uh, yeah what? props to the uh, a- 60s batman costumes like those are those are pretty cool this is a robin black take as the robin of this show i take it no it's not it's a fucking batman right and robin take i've never understood stood this piece of shit sidekick ever 
All right. Hey, let's roll on here to a beer fail of the week here. Uh, look, when you when you agree to shotgun a beer, you do have to be careful to do it right. Oh, God. Got, got a little honor, Luke. Wow. Uh, see, this is. I have. See, yes, is, I have had dates and like this. Yes, yes. Uh, see, this wow. is what it's like when someone has COVID on the New York City subways and they sneeze. Oh. Achoo. Yeah, that is fantastic. All right, hey, let's go to some family awkward photos here. Uh, can we get Ron Jeremy's brother a shirt? What is? Why is the child placed right there, Luke? What's up with this dude having just a layer of titties? It's just one <laughs> layer. Did you notice that? It's like a it's 360 layer. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, he wore the uh, the red Stockton shorts there, John Stockton shorts, and put the baby in front of it. That's that's just awkward here. Uh, can we do we have any family awkward awkward family pictures though? Full family here. We got any uh, freak? Look at Adina Howard, freak like me right here. Look at Dad. Dad's like, <laughs> yeah. You well, know what? That's a you know, that's a classy bunch. I know the kids are horrified, but how do you think you got here, right? You know, because your dad is shocked. Gee, the one who put the satin on your panties, right? You know what I'm calling with that. <laughs> You're stupid. Okay, hey, let's roll on. Uh, check out this crazy Indian fellow saying boo to the bee here, Luke, and stuffing him into his wife beater. What would it take? How much money for you to attempt this? So I'm actually allergic to bees, so there's not enough money in the world. All right, all right. Well, if this doesn't make you feel good enough. How, how, like, how did you not get the clip floating around social media, or maybe you're about to show it, of the 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 all lives matter guy who just grabs the handful of wasps and eats it. I have not seen that yet. Maybe it'll be oh. on next week's show, Luke. Okay. Well, speaking of grabbing things that are gross and putting them in your mouth, this fella took it one step further in his wife beater, Luke. Um, yeah. Uh, there's easier the, ways to bees? get a honey. What are these? these are bees and there's much easier ways to get a honey sandwich than this, Luke. Uh, yeah, that guy's got to be a freak in the in the. Uh, yeah, those that is, those uh, cannot be bees. Those cannot be bees. You know, one time uh, about ten years ago, I I uh, weed whacked over a bee's nest, Luke, and I got like about thirty of them on me, and I got stung an insane amount of times, and I stripped down to my underwear in the moment, ran inside to get the bee spray, came out, and they came at me, and it was like it was like a Rambo moment. I shot them all down until I ran out of bee spray, and I ran back in, and as I slammed the door of the porch, like 10 of them came in and crashed and died right there. Look, those, they will man up when it's go, when it's go time. They are, ba that is like UFC 229 in the cage, right? Like, Kamzat will land in Ireland and come after you. Yeah, they're the Diaz brothers at a World Series of Fighting event. They, uh, yeah, Jake Shields hands. will take your laptop. Yes, 100%. No, I am remember down. Remember, he that. took, I, asked, I actually asked him about it. You ever seen the one, what was the, uh, so it was like the, uh, I think it was the, the first or second Diaz Connor fight when Jake Shields grabbed someone's Starbucks and chucked it at him? Yes, yes. You, they don't care. You haven't seen that? They don't care. No, no, I haven't seen that. All right. Hey, people think we only show fails. Let's show a great win here. Check out this, uh, the Frisbee catch of the week, Luke. I'm going to give this a uh, 9 out of 10. That's impressive. Wow. wow. How is, high this do you guy, think that guy is? This guy is like a bootleg uh, uh, Juji Mufu. You know that guy? No, but I'll, I'll look it up afterwards. That is great. Wow. First, they, they got that on the first take, too. Dude, perfect. Yes. All right. Hey, let's go to the airport, Luke. It's always best when, when people are waiting for you. When you get off the plane, they got their signs ready because they missed you. Check out this chick sign. 
I mean, she, she's honest, right? That's going to be a fun car ride home in the Uber. <laughs> uh, we actually have footage of them later that night at a bar, Luke. It is 2020. It's the craziest years of our life. You do need to be COVID conscious when going after girls. Look, I got to be honest right now. I don't know how single people do it during this pandemic, Luke. Yeah, I, I, was, like I, was, th- I was thinking about that. How do you date right now? Probably just a lot of dry humping. Not even. Yeah. All right. That's great. That is, uh, I mean, for you, Luke, seriously, all seriousness, you have to respect these people because they're doing what you have been asking them to do, right? No, I'd rather they just go inside and get the fuck out of my face. All right. Okay. I just mean, go I, quarantine, uh, you two losers. A condom could have been an alternative there. Okay. okay. Yeah. Dental dams. Um, those are, those are not awesome. Since we showed a death last week, I did feel the burden to come out with some family-friendly content this week. So check out these hungry, hungry hippos, Luke. I can't stop watching this video. It's awesome. Bro, you ever read about how aggressive hippos are? Male hippos? Oh, they account for more deaths uh, in, like, riverbeds and bodies of water than alligators and crocodiles. They are super fucking aggressive. Dude, this guy is destroying these watermelons. They're like Ben Askren. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. I love that. All right. Uh, Luke, there's a new sport out there you can try out with your friends. Um, would, you ever, uh, would you ever blow your friends like this, Luke? I don't think this is a COVID-approved game. What do we call what is this? this? What, what is this called, by the way? Uh, fellatio football? I don't, I don't really know where to go with this, Luke. They're not sucky Dude, I mean, I realize you want to make the, the the joke, but that doesn't even work. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's awkward. Uh, speaking of awkward, we're going to close with this, Luke. I got gas the other day a couple towns away from where I live in Winstead, Connecticut, and I saw an empty storefront next door, and I was like, what's that called? Luke, they're not even fooling around in terms of what they're offering. What would you sell in a store like that? I assumed it was a massage place, but I did look it up and it was um it was like hippie clothing. So I don't know. But that's that's fantastic. That is I mean Did you really you know, take that hey, picture? Hey, yeah, I did. That is, I took that picture, yeah. Hey, Karen opened up a new store. Oh, what's it called? Getting off. Oh wow, yeah, all right. You know, yeah. That is that is great. Okay. That, well, that's very all the good. shit I have for this. Look, I can't. I, you know, last week was an all-time great one. I can't do it twice in a row. Look, right? Listen, this was a great one. Uh, I'm a little bit pressed for time, so let's get to it. We have odds and ends, BC. What do you have for us on odds and ends? I did want to mention quickly that PBC on Fox Card uh, on Saturday. Look, they tried to uh, to up what everybody else was doing. They had the uh, the fake crowd noise that ESPN um, had tried out with the top rank cards that I hate. But I, what I didn't hate, I don't know if you saw this, was the fake fans on the boards around them inside the Microsoft Theater. Did you see that, Luke? The PBC yeah, on Fox Card. I did. Yes. It, I I didn't hate it. It was okay. I'm I'm getting a little bit more used to it, but I got to tell you, it still feels a little bit like a Black Mirror episode to me. I don't love it. 
Okay, okay. Uh, decent main event. Welterweight, uh, Jamal James, Tacoma decision over Thomas DeLorme. He's a real player in this division, and I thought this was a good win, Luke, because he would just got into that brawl with Antonio DeMarco in his last one and really gave up his height a lot, and he was in there against a big puncher here, and uh, I thought it was a good win. He, it's, it's time for Jamal James to get a real test to find out if he's of that ilk. I'd love to see him against an Ugas or Sean Porter or something. I know PBC just announced some Fox fights. They weren't overwhelmingly great, but, you know, we'll see what happens there. By the way, what's the latest, very quickly before I go to my odds and ends, on the Lopez-Lomachenko discussions? Thank you for bringing that up. Top Rank did announce somewhat of a fall schedule. And by the way, there's some good ones in there. You want to see the rescheduling of uh, unified junior welterweight champion Jose Ramirez against former champion Victor Postal. That one is going to be fantastic. Uh, where we stand now for October 3rd is Lomachenko has agreed to the money that he's going to get, but Lopez hasn't. Bob Arum and him back and forth on this. Luke, look, this is outside of Wilder Fury uh, 3 that, they're, that we're petitioning for later this year and maybe right on par with the Errol Spence, Danny Garcia pay-per-view, this is the best fight of the calendar year. I mean, look, Lomachenko, Teofimo is, you know, present slash past versus future. Um, we have to see this. Dear Bob Arum and company, pay, the, pay that man his money. Give, like, let's do it. Let's see this, okay? I need to see this fight. This is a, a, a Teo's taking a shot. He's like freaking 21 years old, 22, whatever, going in there against arguably the best fighter in the world. Let's see this, okay? No more hiccups. Also, the ratings for PBC on Fox were not great. Uh, which sort of goes to show you like this idea that like, oh, we'll just watch anything. It's not true. I saw Chris Mannix being like, this is a great time for promoters to start working together. And I would Please. agree. I think to the extent that that can happen or you can find interesting ways to make the fights that people want, they will watch it, but they're not going to watch just anything. I think that's a pretty big, important lesson. Uh, Quickly, last thing on Luke. this for me. Go ahead. Quickly, real quick, I don't know if you saw the Mike Tyson, uh, Roy Jones Jr. fight. Sources are saying yes. is being moved from September to uh, November twenty eighth, Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, there were people like Chris Mannix from the beginning who were like, "I'll believe that fight actually happens when I see it." Do you see this as a uh, as a plus or minus that they want to move it back a couple months? Well, it was supposed to go head to head with Canelo, but now the Canelo fight may not necessarily be happening. So, if they were doing it to not go head to head with Canelo, fine. If they were doing it for some other reason, I don't know what to make of it. But the problem is, remember, dude, this is a real story. The FBI raided Jake Paul's home in conjunction with some kind of investigation. And in fact, Jake Paul, who's going to be in the coming event or was supposed to be, was facing misdemeanor charges related to looting in Arizona. If you read the press release from the sheriff's office there, they dropped the charges to help facilitate the federal investigation. So I don't know what this dumbass did. But I hope it's serious, and I hope he goes to prison forever, because that would be Whoa. awesome. But it may... <laughs> Relax. We're having fun here. But I'm pointing out, that may be in jeopardy, too. So there could be a lot of things that are making that a little bit weird. All right, That's all right. All. Uh, I, don't, I still don't know what to make of it, Luke. I still don't know if I want it to happen, and I want it to be fun, and I want them to say, F you, Andy Foster, and we're going to throw hands anyway and go for it, or I don't know if I just want it to fall apart, Luke. I'm in the middle. Um, right. Yeah, I, I, I was so, again, I said it before, I was so wrong about the Mayweather, Nascawa, whatever, whatever that was supposed to be and what it ended up being that I'm just kind of like, eh, I guess we'll see, but still. All right, last for me on this, and I got to get going, is uh, speaking of Mayweather, Dana White out there teasing that, you know, uh, Floyd and I are talking, we've talked before, you know, nothing to announce, but there could be a potential opportunity for another fight or some kind of joint venture some kind of something we don't really have any details but dana did kind of say that 
things are still in motion there. I don't know what to make of that one either. I don't know if Floyd is going to try to do boxing with them or... I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the hell it is, but I know that yeah, wh- Dana... See, I'm old enough to remember when Dana put out a video on Versus accusing Floyd of being racist because Floyd had not-so-nice things to say about Jeremy Lin and Lin's sanity. And, uh, but I guess that's all behind them now, and they're going to work together. What that is and when that is, your guess is as good as mine. But I have to tell you, it remains true to this day. No one is a bigger... No one is the... He is the monster that lives under the bed of MMA fans, Floyd Mayweather. They hate him, but they are... They, they want to work with him. They want to see him. They want to do things with him. And yet they want to see him take L's, which he never gives them. So uh, it remains the sort of give and take. But MMA fans love to hate Floyd Mayweather in ways they don't love to hate anybody else. Um, I, I'm old enough to remember that uh, time Dana White did that Loretta Hunt rant as well, which yeah. feels like ancient, ancient history. Quickly, uh, if when you hear that, you're like, okay, maybe it would be Maymac too, which look, we've talked about it before. To be honest, I think a lot of people at this point would be okay with that and would be welcome. What about something like uh, Floyd versus Henry Cejudo in a boxing match at 147? Ah, who gives a shit? The Connor's the one that sells that, you know. Floyd too, I mean, but on the MMA side, you know, what are you going to do? You have the king of cringe go up against Floyd. What a waste of, of an opportunity. At least Connor gets you, much. you know, to believe in things even when you shouldn't, or, you know, he's got his cornerman dressed like turn of the century, you know, uh, barbers or barbers? shopkeepers or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like he, he keeps it interesting. Here's I have the, no desire to be honest though. Floyd fought tension. Nasakawa. Like, He's interested in cashing them checks. He don't care what you think. I mean, you could do yeah. worse in creating some kind of UFC-inspired crossover super fight than Cejudo, right? Yeah, but yeah. Connor or bust as far as I'm concerned. You've got to get the biggest star against the biggest star. Plus, they have history. First three rounds were interesting. Blah, blah, blah. Floyd's older. You get the whole thing. All right. We got to get out of here. One bit of a reminder, BC. This is only just part of what we're doing this week. Thursday, a special live at 11 a.m., 252 preview show we're going to go heavy into that card and get you guys ready for it i have a dissected that'll get you ready for some of the stuff on that card as well and then friday you can join us for those benavidez and gula weigh-ins we'll get you ready for showtime boxing bc we got a busy week my friend and also uh look at all the anyone out there who's a big fan and they should be of that incredible outcry documentary on showtime we got a little bit of bonus content coming soon as well linked to that luke so get <laughs> it, fired it, up it, 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 it would be already out but somebody just doesn't know when to call it quits do they uh look uh, you know you yeah okay uh, no comment no comment all right uh as always give the video a thumbs up subscribe to the channel we're on social media as well morning combat on instagram that's where you can get your dms in so to speak your questions anyway for dms from donks uh that's on uh, sunday uh, we put up a post you can put your questions there obviously you can subscribe to the channel there's bc and me on instagram and there is bc and me on twitter as well so join us on Thursday, 11 a.m., a UFC 252 preview. Friday, a preview and a weigh-in special for Benavidez and Gulo. And then Saturday, big fights in boxing, in MMA. And we're going to get you as ready as we can for them. BCM, super excited. So um, last thing I'll say about this, if you want to watch that Benavidez and Gulo fight, and why wouldn't you, go to Showtime.com right now. You can try Showtime free for 30 days. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can kick rocks. 
but uh, we're going to be watching on Friday, uh, Saturday night, excuse me, and 252 at the same time. So it should be a lot of fun. All right? Yeah, uh, you've got that another is Brian... job or something. Yeah, I do. I got to go. I really got to go. That is Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. Thanks, everyone, at Malka and Showtime. And until next time. Hey, thanks to Jay. Of... Thanks, to, thanks to Jay. Okay, I know I, I jumped in as you were climaxing. Thanks to Jay. Okay, yeah. thank you. F- sorry. Fuck Jay. All right, All right. I, don't care. I don't care. All right, I, It's your show. I don't care. Whatever you want. All it's right? our show. And with that in mind, may all of your gains be loyal.